0: And it's such a blessing to be in God's house with God's people and worshiping together and singing praises to his name I mean, that's it's good. It's good for the soul uh, We eat physical food because we know that we need to be fed We equally if not more <clears throat> need the word of God in our lives Uh, to reiterate what is good and what is true and what is right and how we're to live and how we're to move and how we're to acclimate ourselves within all the surrounding circumstances that we find ourselves in. This morning, if you will, go ahead and turn with me. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. It's going to be a little bit before I get there, but we're going to be there and we're going to go through verse 18 today. As you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and do our New City Catechism. We're on week 29. It says, how can we be saved? And it's such a powerful question, and it's relevant specifically to the message today where we end at. But as a congregation together, only by faith in Jesus Christ and his substitutionary atoning death on the cross. So even though we are guilty of having disobeyed God and are still inclined to all evil, nevertheless, God, without any merit of our own, but only by pure grace, imputes to us the perfect righteousness of Christ when we repent and believe in him. Man, that's powerful. It's loaded, by the way. I mean, when you read a statement like that, you're like, hold on, those are, those are kind of big words, and it's kind of loaded as to the direction that it's going, but it reminds us, and we're going to see it today. Honestly, uh, the, this study that I've been personally doing, getting ready for these messages, has reiterated to me time and time and time again, and it was, it was so timely, actually, that Jared mentioned that earlier, that many times we look through uh, a lens of, well, the politics can fit the goal. They can make and reach the goal. They can provide world peace or they can provide uh, economic relief and so on and so forth without recognizing the fact that Jesus not only has the answers, he is the answer. Remember what he says. He doesn't say, I can tell you about truth, though everything Jesus says is true. He says, I am the way, and I am the truth. You know what I'm saying? So we need to recognize that Jesus is not just claiming to be some other philosopher or great teacher from the past. Jesus is saying that I am truth, and what comes from him is life. And so when we're in this series, specifically today as we switch gears, if you missed last week, you really need to check it out because last week's message has to be the buffer that you see the next three weeks messages, counting today, because you can't just see them alone. You have to see last week's message to be the lens through which we walk through, which is that every single human being is created in the image of God, therefore have infinite worth and dignity in God's eyes. One of the things we just reiterated in our New City Catechism is this, that we are still prone to evil. And a lot of people say, well, you know, we're not that bad. Well, I want to tell you, look at world history in general. Look at the world wars and all of the different things that have taken place, not only in our personal history as Americans, but holistically throughout, man, we do some horrendous things when a group is in power and there's no one to stop that reign of power. There's always tyranny that typically takes place. Therefore, we must be vigilant about maintaining order within our borders, order within our lives, specifically as Christians. And so today we are talking about slavery, racism, and the gospel. As I mentioned last week, I'm not going to apologize every single message about what I'm saying. I'm going to do the best to present facts, and here's the deal. I am scratching the surface. So if you're over here like, well, there's many other things, you're right. There's a lot of other things that could be mentioned, and I encourage you to do your own research and to study as well. To start this off though, I want to say something I said last week. We have a sin issue that leads to a race issue. We have a sin issue that leads to a race issue. In today's time, certain things are normal, right? Societal norms are different than they were some 50, 60, 100 years ago. Things that were okay then, they're not okay now. Things that are okay now were absolutely shocking to anyone some even 50 years ago. And I'll give you an example of this. In 1998, the President of the United States gets on television after having a few years long relationship with his intern. Bill Clinton says, I, if y'all remember that, for those of you who are old enough and you can watch the YouTube clip, he looks into the cameras after all of these um, reports have been coming out and he shakes his finger and says, I did not commit sexual relations or have sexual relations with that woman. I mean, we saw it. And of course, it was not very long after that, that it was undeniable evidence that he did have sexual relations, not only with correspondence, but with DNA testing, so on and so forth. And many people were just blown away, but it was different. When people were being asked about it, they said, well, look, it's really not important what he does in his private life as long as he can lead the country. A president's morals really aren't all that important as long as the economy's going, as long as the House and the Senate are able to work together to get some things passed and we have earmarks going to each and every state so that we all feel comfortable about what's happening. Okay, if that would have happened in the 1950s, irrefutable evidence, if DNA would have been able to be involved in the situation, but irrefutable evidence that the President of the United States, Eleanor Roosevelt at that time, had committed sexual acts of immorality while in this presidential, while being the president. What do you think would have happened? Impeached. 110% he would have been impeached. There's no question about it. He probably wouldn't have been impeached because he would have stepped down. You see what I'm saying? So I'm I'm just taking you back. That's 70 years ago, 50 years from the, the, the president in 1998. Okay, let's go back. Eleanor Roosevelt. This has not been documented But it's been said before that while on the golf course with friends, he used the N-word on different occasions with other people, derogatory terms about black people. It was never confirmed, but it was brought up. He was not what? Impeached. He was not brought up. If a president today, if a president today utilized that terminology and was brought up, what do you think would happen? Impeached impeached does that make any of the above does it make it right I'm just telling you that from culture to culture from generation to generation our eyes because we're so close to it some things we don't see as evil until we're far enough away from it to be like that's wrong that's wrong there's many things today as Christians we're just like man that's wrong It's absolutely immoral. How in the world can political officials engage in such debate or banter and all of these things that they say to one another and the way society is in general? But what I want to get at is this. We have varying degrees as to what we call right and what we call wrong. And so I want to say this before I get into this message specifically is that it is very easy to say what is right and wrong when you're looking through the lens of some couple hundred years back to say, you know what, if I would have been there, it would have never happened. If I would have been there, this is how I would have done it, and this is how I would have acted. What I want to say to you is this, when we talk specifically about slavery, there's not a single soul in this room or anyone who's watching this morning on, uh, on, on the media sources who would say slavery was right. It's not. There, there's no way in the world slavery was ever right. You can't say it. But when we begin to look at people like Abraham Lincoln, as many people on the far progressive left who say he didn't do enough, he didn't speak enough. You're looking through a contemporary lens at something you know very little about, about the pressures, about the war, about the things that were going on, about the political debates. Every single one of us say, well, we should pass this and we should pass this. How many of us know from the arguing and debating that takes place within our different levels of government how much behind the scenes takes place that you'll never know about, how much happens on the floor, and they can't agree on anything, much less being the president of the United States when you have succession of states from the union trying to juggle it all and seeking to free slaves whom he said in multiple years preceding that, that he wishes to do away to abolish slavery, but it's a way in which how do we do it? How do we go about that thing? And so I want to bring that up this morning because here's my problem with what's happening today where we're pitting one another against each other, where we're pitting white against black and black against white and so on and so forth is the the media narrative is, is going with basically here's slavery, horrible as it was for over 300 years in the United States of America. That is the only slavery that ever occurred and that is insane, insane. And sadly, this is what a lot of our children are being taught. They're being taught not only to hate slavery, which is right, but taught to hate our nation as though every single thing we ever did was horrendous. And I want to say we got a bad track record, but we also got a good one too. We also got a good one too. We are flawed people with a nation that has moral guiding principles that we in many cases simply do not live by. But here's the deal about slavery. Slavery For as long as there has been sin, as long as there has been nations, slavery in one form or another has been taking place. You do your own history. You can go all the way back to Sumer in Mesopotamia where there's documents that were written. And this is all the way way back in the B.C. era where it was still, it was legislated. It was part of society. It was ingrained within the industry. As long as you were weaker and you could be captured and you could be utilized for some type of form of labor, they would do it. This happened on every single continent. You're following me this morning. Does it make it right? No, but it happened every single continent and most likely in every single culture in every single country. Thomas Sowell said it this way, slavery was an evil of greater scope and magnitude than most people can imagine. And as a result... Its history, its place in history is radically different from the way it's usually portrayed. It Mention slavery and immediately the image that arrives, arises of the Africans and their descendants enslaved by Europeans and their descendants in the southern United States. Or at most, Africans enslaved by Europeans in the western hemisphere. No other historic horror is so narrowly construed. No one thinks of war, famine, decimating epidemics. In such localized terms, these are afflictions that have been suffered by the entire human race all over the planet, and so was slavery. So I I want to get a grasp of what are we talking about? What are we looking at? And then what are you chewing? What are you digesting when it comes to you saying something when the media, again, remember they have a narrative that they are seeking to sell to you. They have a divisive goal that they are seeking to produce. And don't forget we're in an election year. So yes, we're going to do anything possible to make sure that we uh, ally one side or the other. And what I'm saying as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are one in Christ Jesus, We are united by the blood of Jesus Christ to do what is right even when it's difficult to do, to say what is right even when it's difficult, to overcome, in the case that we're talking about now, any inkling of racism that may be in your system or may have been raised or the things that you're around. Listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, every single person is created in the image of God. Every single person is created in the image of God. So records even show 3,500 B.C. and Sumer. Other nations such as Egypt, Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, Rome, Is- Israel, all Muslim nations within the empire, Britain, France, Africa, Brazil, America, you name the countries, that we, everybody has partaken in slavery. Everybody. Every civilization until the last few hundred years always enslaved weaker people from their own nation again the picture that we get is that it's always been the transatlantic slave trade it's always been that we have gone across to get people and the answer is that was only within the last few centuries why was it only in the last few centuries one is money two is transportation they didn't have the type of ships that were even able to do such things long before you had that was having muslims going across to receive slaves all the way back to the seventh century bc The Ottoman Empire had some 2.5 million slaves in Istanbul, the capital. So, I mean, we got to recognize, like, this is something that was going on and happening in many, many civilizations. Does it make it right? No. Does it excuse America? No. But what I'm trying to get at is what was horrendous was taking place throughout all of the world for most of our history. Why did people ever enslave other people in general? Well, I'm going to go right back to the fact. We are sinners. We are geared towards wickedness. Unless we have law, unless we have something to guide us, unless we have the spirit of God within us, we are geared towards, lean towards selfish ambition. And so what was two of the primary reasons? Two of the primary reasons was that they had power to do it. They had greed for money and they had greed for power and therefore they enslaved other people. And when it brought them profit to sell slaves, then they did it. When it brought them profit to keep slaves, to work on their property, to work within their palaces or wherever it would be, they did it. Slavery was part of China for centuries. Slavery was part of India all the way up until and through the 19th century. Brazil was the last Western nation in 1888 to end slavery. Brazil had many times more slaves than America and what we don't hear half of the time, and I know that we don't live in Brazil, but we don't see a lot of this being brought up all the time. Remember, there's a narrative and there's a point, and it's to be divisive. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be what? Peacemakers. We are to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Even contemporary slavery, which so many people don't even think about, don't even talk about. Forced labor in sub-Saharan Africa estimates 660,000 people right now enslaved. This includes people who are illegally in diamond mines in Sierra Leone and Liberia, which is also a direct result of the civil war within these regions. In 2017, the International Labor Office estimated that seven in 1,000 people in Africa are victims of slavery. I mean, this is, when we talk about it, we think way back when. Slavery is still happening, though it is not legal. It's not legal. Far more African people were enslaved by Muslim countries in the Middle East than were ever enslaved here in America, but we don't talk about it. The other thing, too, that we don't see is also the very fact that many of those slaves who were en route, if they were men, they got more money if they were eunuchs, so they would castrate them. Over half of the people who were being taken died before they ever got there. Many of the women, whether they were sex slaves or someone just to serve within the area or arena of work, within the kitchens or within the palace or to be part of the harem, that's part of what they did. And you're just like, man, this is messed up stuff. It is. It is. Over one million Europeans, so take white people, were captured by pirates off the coast of Africa between 1500 and 1800. So let's not do this thing where it's like, white people, bad people, okay? That is insane. You didn't choose to be born with less melanin than our fellow brothers and sisters who have more melanin. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is insane for someone who I see people at times are apologizing for being white. I'm like, you didn't choose it, brother or sister. That's insane. If you have personally done someone wrong, repent and make it right. You understand? But this is where, again, some of our argumentation that we see so many times is it doesn't make any sense. It's impossible to even have a conversation because the conversation is not based on facts, it's based on emotion. And that's sad. That's so sad. The Slavs, for instance, Thomas Sowell again says during the Middle Ages, the Slavs were so widely used as slaves, both in Europe and the Islamic world, that the very word slave derived from the word Slav, not only in English, but also in the European languages, as well in Arabic. get a history lesson this morning, huh? I mean, when you think about some of these things, it should blow your mind. In 1781, again, the horrendous aspects of what slavery were. In the British Isles, the trial of Zong. Zong was a ship that had left the northern part of Africa, headed to uh, Britain. It was carrying 442 slaves in their ship, two times minimally as many people as should have been on there. They had forced inside of there in horrendous conditions, most of which they never got to get up, most of which defecated and completely soiled themselves because there was nowhere to go. Most of the slave ships had nets around the edge because many slaves would have rather jumped off and drowned into the ocean than being taken somewhere else. But here's what happened. Because they were running low on water, because navigational errors were made in the process, they ended up throwing 122 slaves overboard, letting them drown because they knew that if they died on the ship, there was no insurance money. But if they threw them overboard, they would get paid insurance money for each slave that drowned. You're like, this is horrible. I agree. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're like, this is horrible. We need Jesus it's not a left or right political system that we need. We need Jesus, people. That's what we need. When you hear some of these things, they've got to make you angry inside. They've got to make you just begin to think, why, why? John Lee, one of the prosecutors within this case, said this, all the blacks would have killed all the whites, perishing just as cargo of good perished. The Lord Chief Justice Mansfield over the case said this the case of slaves was the same as horses had been thrown overboard animals is the way in which they perceived by law the killing of slaves and you're like this is horrible how how in the world in 1781 trial being in 1783 how can these things happen i mean weren't people indignant weren't people getting angry weren't people able to say man this is wrong Horrendous things just like this is what caused men like Thomas Clarkson and William Wilberforce and so many others to begin to come together and begin to fight for the abolition of slavery. William Wilberforce entered into uh, the, the political arena and began from 1791, multiple years in a row, seeking to find some form to abolish the slave trade. Finally, beginning in 1807, they abolished the international slave trade. US in 1808 abolished the international slave trade. Britain in 1833 finally abolished slavery in the British Isles and all that they had control over. It was not until after a civil war and much blood was spilled in 1865 that we abolished slavery as a nation. William Wilberforce said it this way, so enormous, so dreadful, so irreparable. Did the slave trade wickedness appear that my own mind was completely made up for abolition? Let the consequences be what they would. I will from this time determined that I will never rest until I've effected its abolition. January the 1st, 1863, it was established the Emancipation Proclamation. It was a process, it was a beginning. For every slave that was in America, One soldier for every five slaves died. Do the numbers if you want. Roughly the numbers usually look at in the Civil War, 620,000 or 618,000. More contemporary numbers say somewhere around 750,000, possibly up to 830,000 people died. Some in the Civil War and some thereafter from elements of the Civil War. At the point of time of reconstruction in 1866, there were 3.9 million slaves who received their freedom in 1865. One died for every five slaves in the process of this war. We begin to look at these things and say, man, this is just, this is wrong. Some 12.5 million slaves entered in over the 300 year span that slavery was in America. I mean, y'all think about that number, 12.5 million people brought to a land that they did not know, to a language they did not know, to be treated as chattel, which was another way of basically saying property. We can never forget this. We've got to learn from it, though. And what what do you learn from it? Slavery's gone, Josh, why, why do you even bring this stuff up? Isn't this just worse? Should we, we shouldn't even talk about it. just let this blow over. And the answer is, blow over? Like, should we not talk about the fact that if power is unchecked, we will abuse one another no matter what color, no matter what race, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what nation, if we're not able to have the guiding and ruling principles of Jesus Christ in our lives? The top ten countries still today with slavery are North Korea in Trium, Bernidium, the Central African Republic, Afghanistan, Meridian, South Sudan, Pakistan, Cambodia, and Iran. I mean, it, it, you got to think. In Meridian, twenty percent in 2007 of the population was slave, enslaved. And you're like, but but they ended slavery like in the early 2000s. Yeah, they ended slavery, but it did not stop. It did not stop. So why did slavery end? How did it, did did everybody just have a wake-up call and just said, man, this industry, which is producing money and making life for us easy because we're taking captive those who are weaker than us, and we're just going to give it up. Is that how it ended? No, not a chance, not a chance. Yes, there were people morally outraged and speaking up about these things, but it was by the British government specifically who began because they were the first ones with what? powerful gunpowder to be able to go and begin forcing other nations politically behind the scenes and on the scene, capturing ships that were being taken from across, capturing ships even all the way up into the 1880s off the coast of Brazil. I mean, are y'all following me? It wasn't just because people were like, you know, I don't want to give this up. It was absolutely outrageous to the Muslim nations that this practice would ever be thought of to stop. I mean, y'all following this this morning. It was not just this wake up call and said, you know, we should stop doing this. This was forced, this was forced. It's very difficult to tell a people, your way of life is wrong and you must stop it now and it's going to have absolute devastation on your economy. You know what the sad part is though? No economy that uh, prevalently utilized slavery when it was done was any better off. They were in a worse spot when it all ended. It never even produced much. A lot of times we think back to the south and it's like every white person had slaves and that is not true. A census from 1860 said that 32% of the people living in the southern states, specifically the 11 that succeeded, had slaves. But yet there were also, of all the black people who lived in New Orleans, a thousand of the black freemen owned slaves as well. And you're like, does that make it right? No. What I'm getting at is this was an industry far bigger than a couple of white hicks on a cotton plant, okay? It's just far bigger than that. And, and that's what bothers me when we hear so much rhetoric that it's just us. And it's like, no, this is a problem. This is a problem that's holistic. And you say, man, well, thank God slavery ended, amen. But then in the Reconstruction period from 1866 1866, to 1880, or 1877, laws began to be put into place. Even though the 13th Amendment was put into place, there still were individual rights of the states, and even with the 14th Amendment, there was still individual rights of the states, and what we ended up ending into is the Jim Crow era, which so many of us have either heard about, we've either read about, and I would encourage you to read about. So many ways to ill-treat people who have been called to be free, In so many different capacities. Martin Luther King Jr., he said it this way, he who passively accepts evil is, is as much involved in it as he who helps perpetrate it. He who accepts evil without protesting against it is really cooperating with it. From 1880 to 1964, public parks were forbidden for African Americans to enter. Theaters and restaurants were segregated. Segregation waiting rooms in the buses and the train stations were required. Fountains, restrooms, building entrances, elevators, cemeteries, even amusement park, cash windows, they were segregated. There was a black, there was a white. Laws forbade African Americans from living in white neighborhoods. Segregation was enforced in public schools, phone booths, hospitals, asylums, jails, and residential homes for the elderly and handicapped. Some states required separate textbooks for blacks and white students. Even New Orleans mandated the segregation of prostitutes according to the race, it was not uncommon to see posted signs at town, on the edge of towns or cities, warning African Americans that they were not welcome there. You've heard of the Green Book before? The Green Book was basically a guide for northern Africans who came into the southern parts of the states to know where you could and where you could not go. What would get you in trouble and what would not get you in trouble. We've got to reckon with the past, okay? This is part of our past. This is sin. In 1948, President Harry Truman ordered integration within the military. In 1954, the Supreme Court ruled Brown versus Board of Education that educational segregation was unconstitutional, bringing to an end of the era of separate but equal education. 1964, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, ending Jim Crow. 1965, the Voting Rights Act halted efforts to keep minorities from voting. 1968, the Fair Housing Act which ended discrimination in the renting and selling of homes. Part of the Jim Crow was also the poll tax. Many states used poll tax to bring in revenues, but poll taxes specifically were utilized in the Jim Crow era to make it to where black people couldn't vote because they didn't have the money to pay at the poll tax to be able to vote. They also had literacy tests at the polls because what most people coming out of slavery had no form of education. And if you want to keep a people down, take it off the racist thing right now. Take it off the slavery thing right now. Take it off all that. You want to keep yourself down. You want to keep your children down. You want to keep yourself down. Continue to keep them uneducated. Continue to give them low standards. And you will always be down because this world is growing and evolving and changing and if you are not willing to learn, grow and change with it, you're going to be in one form or another hypothetically left behind. We've got to continue to educate ourselves. Redlining was part of what was used to control where people lived and what neighborhoods would get government funding and would not get government funding. Guess what? Black people could live in certain neighborhoods and those neighborhoods in most cases could not get funding. And you're like, man, this is horrible. Yep. Now what I'm not bringing up in this message right now is all the people who fought, all the people who fought to end this horrendous act, not only of slavery, but of segregation, racism within our economy, racism within our government, racism within our law. What is utilized today by so many people, and I'm not jumping ahead because that's next week's message, is so many people talk about systemic racism within corporations, within the law, within the system. And that's a conversation that needs to be had because what was preceding 1964, 65, 68, we've got to look at these things and begin to say what's actually happening here. What do the facts actually say? Because remember, the facts don't care how you feel. The facts are simply the facts when they're true. We need to live our lives. So I want to ask this question and get into the text. I'm not saying long on the text, so don't worry. So as Americans with a history filled with good and bad actions, like every nation in one form or another, how do we move forward as a people, specifically as Christians? You ready for it? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what was called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For him, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far, and peace to those who were near, for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. And that is the word of the Lord this morning. Number one, if you're taking it down with me, apart from saving faith in Christ, we are all without hope. You follow me this morning? Without Jesus Christ, we are all without hope. There is no hope. We talk about we want evil to end unless Jesus Christ, unless we receive Christ, unless we are indwelled by the Spirit of God, we are going to act out on the things that we ought not to do. We're going to think the things that we ought not to think if we are not having the word of God penetrate our lives. Look at verse 1 through 3. I'm not going to read it, but Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3, it says, We were what? We were children of wrath. We were influenced by the devil, the flesh, and the world. But now, you ready for it? But now, those who were far have been brought near to God. So apart from saving faith in Christ, we're all without hope. What does it tell us twice? Verse 11, verse 12. What does it tell us to do? Remember. Remember where you come from. Remember the fact that you were separated from the promises of God. Remember that you were literally without hope. Because when you recognize the glorious grace of God in your life, the way that you view life changes. The way that you view people changes, and the way that you live your life changes, because you remember that you were owed nothing but given everything through the blood of Jesus Christ. We were all once enslaved to sin. Jesus even said in John 8:34, "Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin." So many of us, many times we'd say, man, I would never be a part of that and I would never do that. Let us be careful to inspect our lives as to what we would and would not do. Let us be careful to draw near to Christ and always cling to the cross of Jesus that we would live in such a way that would be pleasing in His sight. Let us pray the Psalms 139 where we say, Lord God, search my heart. See if there are any wicked way in me. You see how this is a continuing process? Remember what it is. Remember when we're looking back, it's like twenty twenty vision. Oh, I would never be that, but are we the same people who disdain other people because they don't look and act like us? Are we the same people who begin to talk evil against one another who are brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we the same people who have no issue whether we're engaging in it or just listening to it when someone else is gossiping and slandering someone else? I mean, are you following what I'm saying? It's easy to say, I see the speck in your eye, But I can't even see the log in my own. I can't even see the log in my own. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, the divide between Jews and Gentiles, that was real. The divide, so much of us, we get to hear race, it's arbitrary. There's a difference between the melanin within our skin. Remember what we said last week, the human genome test says that we are all 99.9% exactly the same, exactly the same. You see, the divide between the Jews and the Gentiles, that was real. God chose the people of Israel Utilizing the word and the commandments that were given, he barred them off, if you will, from the rest of humanity. And only those who would draw near by being a proselyte, only those who would draw near until Jesus came. Second is this, but now we are one in Christ. But now we are one in Christ. I got information for you. Maybe you haven't heard. There's no black heaven, and there's no white heaven, there's no Asian heaven. There's eternity with God or separation from him. There's eternity with God or separation from him. There is only one way and there's only one mediator between God and man. Watch this verse on the screen, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that these minor distinctions within our own lives are completely overwhelmed by the oneness of the blood of Jesus Christ that's what it's getting at truly there are only there are two people there are two people in this world two people in this life those who are in Christ and those who are outside of Christ there's only two well I see a lot more than two no there's only two Those who have been born again and those who have not. Those who are under the grace and the mercy of God and those who are under the wrath of God even as we speak. Those who have repented and called upon the name of Jesus and have received the Holy Spirit. And those with pride and arrogance and ignorance say, my kingdom come and my will be done. You can keep yours, God. And the scariest fate of all is when God says... You can have it. You can have it. There's truly only two people in this life. and third and close, Jesus is our peace. The dividing wall of hostility for all people has been broken down. The dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. We need as individuals and we need as a nation, we need peace. And it's not policies that are going to give us peace. Policies can be used, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not over here saying that we should be completely out of, no, no, no. I'm praying that godly men and women within our congregation who love Jesus more than they love life itself are are getting in different areas of influence, whether that's teachers or lawyers or doctors or or business people or in politics, whatever it is. You see what I'm saying? Whoever you are and wherever you are, live to the glory of God. Use the opportunities that are set before you. There's no age that you have to wait till. People from any age, any background, God delights in using his people. For he himself is our peace, according to verse 14. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It's hard to hate a brother or sister in Christ, is it not? It's hard to hate a brother or sister in Christ. It's hard to ill-treat a member of your family. It's hard. As long as they're, I'm against them and they're against me, it's easy to hate. That's exactly how the German people under Nazi Germany were taught to hate. Because they thought of Jews as less than animals, And not even worthy of a good death. Worthy of a despicable and disgraceful death. It's hard to have blind hatred of someone God has chosen to be your brother or sister. Notice those words, chosen. God chose. Just as he chose you, God chose the people of this world. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It's not on the screen, but hear it out. Beloved, let, one, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. When Jesus died on that cross and he gave up his spirit, it says that the curtain was torn that separated the holy place from the most holy place. It was torn from top to bottom. And we're not talking about one of your curtains that you ordered from Wayfair. I'm talking about a very, very thick and a very, very large curtain torn from top to bottom. And in Hebrews, it says that his flesh was that curtain which was torn for man and woman to have access to God the Father through one spirit and one way. And that is Jesus Christ. May the Lord forgive us as a nation. And specifically, nations are made up of individuals. May he forgive us of our past iniquities and sins. But may we not live in ignorance of anything happening within our own lives now, in our own homes now. Remember, it's a lot easier to want to clean someone else's world up before you want to take care of your own. It's a lot easier to tell someone else's house it's not in order before you ever want to begin to work in your own home. Recognize your sphere of influence. May God forgive us and may we seek repentance daily that we might live lives of godliness of honor and respect for one another let us stand father we come before you just telling you lord god how much we love you and how much we need you there's no other way to describe our absolute need for you lord god there's been so many areas throughout history where we have done so much wrong. It just blows my mind that you even put up with us. Father, forgive us of our sins. Father, may today, we as your people, may we live a life Worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ every single day, in every single engagement and interaction, Lord God. May your Holy Spirit fill our lives. May we not be filled with lies. May we not be filled with anger. May we not be filled with anything that is displeasing in your sight, Lord, but be filled with your Spirit, consuming your word, living for you. Father, I thank you so much for your love. For us and your grace and your mercy may we specifically as a nation as united states of america today father we as christians may we stand for truth may we love everyone father may we love our neighbor as ourselves you've called it you've commanded it. there's no way around it lord god may it be so and may we do it father with joy and obedience to you lord god May we not be part of the problem. Father, may we be the one who points to the solution, which is your son, Jesus Christ. We love you. We praise you. We know that all good things come from you. And we recognize these things. In Jesus' name we pray.